0: Arc music art music factory a record label a record label a community a community
1: a place where you can call a place where you can call your world your world Welcome to Polishing Turds with Nick and Cal. My name is Nick. And I'm Cal. And this is the show where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of bad music. Today we're going to be talking about Rebecca Black, the singer behind what is perhaps the most notorious viral song of all time, Friday. Cal, what do you remember
0: about Friday? So with Friday, I remember, I think, at least what I attribute to why that got so big. Mm -hmm. We reference the room a lot, but it's it's fitting here too. (laughs) It's weird to see something that bad with production value and i think that's what screws you up like if this was just somebody's home video yeah you wouldn't have gave two shits you'd be like yeah it's bad that's funny but it comes out and it tries to be a real music video and it's got a rap bridge with a a guy (laughs) and you're sitting there baffled going is this is this
1: real and that really is the essence of what makes arc music videos so weird is that they do like try to feign to be authentic But it's obviously not. It's like it's just like a weird Chinese knockoff of a Fast and the Furious (laughs) movie or or something like that.
0: Have you heard of the Uncanny Valley? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's that in music form.
1: Explain what the Uncanny Valley is for people.
0: It's if you were to compare how realistic like a movie effect is supposed to look like a human face done in CG in a movie. Mm -hmm. There's a sweet spot of if it's very unrealistic your brain goes, oh, this is a cartoon and it's fine. Mm -hmm. If it's just quite not realistic, that's where your brain hits that weird spot called the Uncanny Valley where it's creepy because you know it's supposed to be real, but something about it is just a little off. People
1: use uh, the Polar Express often as as the analogy. It's like the archetypal uh, Uncanny Valley film.
0: Yeah. And it, it is because they were so close <laughs> to making them look like real yeah, humans. It almost
1: that that almost looks like Tom Hanks. Like <laughs> But it's not. It's Bizarro Tom Hanks. Yeah. It's it it just feels like you're in a dream or something like that. And I that.
0: think it you know there's uh, there's American Indian legends about things called skinwalkers. Mm. And that's that's what it looks like. It's like the bug man in a uh, Men in Black or something. <laughs> it's something not human wearing a human skin.
1: Friday just kind of feels like if aliens spent like a week trying to understand earth music and they tried to make something of the pop genre like that's (laughs) this is something that they would come up with
0: yeah an ai that's still developing its algorithm
1: (laughs) it's not like totally incompetent it uses like a kind of a standard like like one four five chord progression it's just that the vocal range is necessarily very limited because it's dealing with a thirteen year old girl. It's insanely auto-tuned, and the lyrics are dumbed down to the point of being like like insultingly bad even yes. if you're a child.
0: The lyrics seem like a Google chat bot or something. You know something they're still teaching
1: how to relate to people in <laughs> youth. That really is the worst part of Friday, and a lot of arc music songs. So I'm gonna assume that most of you remember Friday and the utter sensation it created back in twenty eleven. Immediately dubbed one of the worst songs of all time, the single was one of the first truly viral sensations of the YouTube era. It was discussed on morning shows, spoofed by late-night comedians, and inspired thousands of parodies and reaction videos. And in an age where the effects of cyberbullying were still not well understood, Friday provoked a torrent of hateful and abusive posts, nearly all of which were directed at its 13-year-old singer, Rebecca Black. Friday blew up almost exactly 10 years ago, but to this day, few people actually know much about Rebecca Black. Fewer still know the story of ARK Music Factory and its enigmatic founder, Patrice Wilson. For those of you who've seen the Friday video, you might recall that toward the end of the song, there's a random, seemingly out-of-place rap bridge featuring an adult man who looks like he has no business hanging around these kids. That man is Patrice Wilson. He's the writer and producer of Friday, the one responsible for bringing it to the masses. And as you'll soon see, he is one strange dude. I am so surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> just talk about that, Cal. Like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> you might not even remember that he's in the song, but like, just go back and listen. Towards the end of the song, there is, there's Rebecca like singing in the car and then it just cuts to a guy in a separate car just rapping <laughs> just, about, yeah. I don't even know what.
0: <laughs> just rap generic rap like it's like whistling a tune where you just make up notes and And he does this in like every arc song. (laughs) what is it about the music industry that has all these fucking weirdos in it you know like it almost goes without saying that he's a weird dude
1: yeah
0: so back then i guess i just assumed he was some desperate guy who just needed a buck (laughs) and they were like you want to be in this friday video
1: he just imagine if that was the chase if that was like he's a, he's a rapper trying to break out like maybe he grew up in the streets and like he's just trying to he's trying to leave the streets behind he's trying to make it big and someone offers him a spot in the rebecca black video it's like i gotta take this yeah he's like
0: sure sure hit me up with those lyrics it's like fun 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 saturday comes next uh,
1: uh, all right well i guess i'll be the highlight of the song at least I want to make one thing clear before we proceed. In this episode, we are not making fun of Rebecca Black. Like, she's gotten way too much of that over the years. There's more people responsible for Friday than just her. And yes, it's an incredibly, incredibly bad song, but it's not Rebecca's fault that it's a bad song. As we just pointed out, she didn't even write it. And even if she did, she was only 13 when she came out. And no 13-year-old deserves to be mocked or harassed for pretty much any reason.
0: Yeah, she got the unbridled rage of Four Chan and YouTube back then. Yeah, before
1: we all understood that if you react to it all at all, it just exits on. And that was that was it was a feedback loop. It was an early example of uh, there's something known as uh, negativity bias, and it's this psychological principle. that To dub it down, it just means that something that's that makes you really angry, or it inspires a very hostile reaction, is going to get a lot more attention than something that's neutral or positive. I feel like that just kind of tracks with a lot of what we see in our culture. Yep. And you know, this is this is just a this is just an early example of that. Well, and YouTube
0: also kind of unleashed a torrent no one had seen. Yeah. Because I think back then, like Facebook had recently just opened up to non-college students, so mm-hmm. that wasn't happening there. Uh, Things like 4chan were obscure and weird. Yeah. Then Reddit existed, but it was in its infancy. Yeah. This was the first place I think you saw a mass of all ages and races piling on somebody.
1: We have this cultural distinction between what we deem the internet and IRL in real life. But when you're typing a comment, you know, that calling someone fat and ugly, and that person reads it, that is real life to them. We all do things on the internet and behave in ways that we wouldn't in real life. Like, if you, if you actually would go up to a guy and say, fuck you, you're a douchebag, you suck. Okay, you got balls. If, if you're gonna stand Two feet away from a guy and tell him <laughs> he's a stupid son of a bitch and he should kill himself. If you're gonna if you can do that in the middle of a Burger King, like <laughs> go hats ahead, that's up to it. you. But I'm guessing that there are many more people who would do that on YouTube than in real life.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a good point there. YouTube kind of blurs the line. That was one of the first things that did. It shows your face and your voice. You're not just typing on a forum. So when you say, "Yeah, fuck you, kill yourself," it's to some block a
1: text. Yeah, This is to a person. Yes. Part of the reason we're doing this episode is that Friday is more than just a bad song. It was a unique moment in history that revealed some inconvenient truths about internet culture, which was then, like we said, in its infancy. It proved just how quickly a meme could gain traction if the reaction was negative, foreshadowing a dark decade of outrage culture that would manifest itself in entertainment, business, and even politics. For Arc Music Factory, the song's success inspired Patrice Wilson to double down on virality as a business model, leading to the creation of even more cringy tracks and, arguably, the exploitation of young girls in the process. For Rebecca Black, Friday was both a dream come true and an unbearable nightmare that nearly destroyed her life. In the following years, she would learn to ignore the bullies, to harvest the positive side of fame, and build a solid career as a legit, independent singer. This is a story with many strange twists and turns. It's a tale of harassment, abuse, exploitation, and humiliation, but also one of strength, resilience, and ultimately redemption. I truly believe that Rebecca Black is a hero, a woman who showed more courage as a teenager than most of us will ever muster in our lives. By the end of this episode, I think a lot of you will agree with me.
0: That's a bold claim, Nicholas. I'm excited. You ready, Cal? I am ready.
1: Let's polish this turd.
0: classic your friends are already in the
1: car rebecca your choices (laughs) of seat are kind of limited you know uh actually for for the video of that song they were supposed to get a school bus so that's why that makes a lot more sense you know because uh so in the video if you've never seen it she's standing at a bus stop and you know this because the sign just says bus stop. <laughs> so she's at the bus stop and then the car pulls up this car being driven by 13 year olds. Yeah. I was going to have weird like, thing about you have your learner's permit yet. Like this video, the video was made for $2,000. So like, it's, it's not bad for a production budget of that little, but yeah, but they were supposed to get a school bus. And so if you imagine a school bus in the video, in that context, front seat back seat which seat okay. should i take it makes a little bit more sense yeah and
0: i always wondered why the song goes from like i gotta catch my bus or whatever dumb shit she- <laughs> yeah i gotta <laughs> catch my bus and then oh wait, i see my friends and they just show up in a different car
1: yeah so like like so it was too late to change the lyrics to the song by that point so i just had to <laughs> roll with okay we'll jam a bunch of 13 year olds in a convertible Dude, there's so much to get into in this
0: stupid song Like, how? why are there three kids all sitting on the seat? Like, they're not in the seat. It's a convertible, and they're on where your head would go.
1: Because it's Friday, and they got to get down. They got to kick it. This is wildly unsafe, and I have questions for all their parents. Oh, God. (laughs) Why do you think people hated the song as much as they did? Because we played a lot of bad songs in the show. We're going to play a lot of bad songs in the show this is outside of who let the dogs out this might be the most famous one that we've played so far i think
0: it is just the friday hook friday yeah the
1: way she delivers that is nails on a goddamn chalkboard i would have to agree with you i think it is it is the inflection of her voice trying to sing that hook
0: yeah and they you can tell they did a little auto tune. yeah they they messed with it a bit
1: they didn't help it in any way and that is something you find with a lot of arc songs: is they use more more auto tune than is necessary in a lot of cases because they're it's an impossible task. They're trying to turn thirteen year olds into something that sounds as good as Lady Gaga. Yeah, like, that's physically impossible. They are physically limited in terms of what they can and cannot sing.
0: And then I would also say, just the lyrics are beyond comprehension. Dumb. They couldn't even bother be bothered to rhyme today. They, yes. you know, like they don't bother to rhyme anything it's not like they're trying to rhyme
1: like establishment or something just to give you guys an example there is a bridge in the song and the lyrics to the bridge go yesterday was thursday today is friday we 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 so excited we so excited we gonna have a ball today tomorrow is saturday and someday comes afterwards i don't want this weekend to end That's what I'm talking about. Somebody wrote that. You couldn't find a rhyme somewhere in there? (laughs) It's like trying to teach
0: babies the day of the week. (laughs) And then you get to the infamous
1: rap section. Oh, yeah. So So talk about Patrice's rap bridge, Cal.
0: I mean, what is there to say? He just
1: comes in and raps
0: about whatever.
1: Yeah, he's like, yeah, Rebecca Black it's friday yeah we're so excited we're rolling i'm driving i'm driving and school bus pulls up in front of me
0: yeah it's a complete vanity thing like because he doesn't even try and integrate himself into the video like he's hanging out with these kids or anything yeah he's just in a separate car and it's just a <laughs> shot
1: of him rapping
0: with no just, context of why he's there
1: like why are you associated with this young girl this i have all kinds of questions <laughs> all right so let's get into the history of rebecca black Rebecca Black was born on June 22, 1997 in Irvine, California. She's of mixed backgrounds. Her mother was born in Mexico. Her dad's from Iowa. Both of her parents are veterinarians, and growing up, Rebecca felt a strong pressure to succeed academically. She attended a small private school where clickishness was rampant, and Rebecca was constantly bullied by other students. So remember, this is before Friday. So like, she'd already had experience dealing with bullies in school, as many not, most kids do.
0: Yeah, back well, back in our day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think
1: more people were bullied than not. By the sixth grade, the bullying had become so bad that she dropped out of private school and enrolled in a large public school in Orange County. I'm sure the bullying stopped in a large public middle school. <laughs> I mean, apparently it was marginally better. But again, like we're talking about Orange County, California. This is the spoiled children capital of America. I feel that this whole story is as much a product of Southern California as Limp Bizkit is of Jacksonville or any or the Bahamen were of Bahamas. This whole story is something that could only happen in Southern California. There's no Wisconsin Art Music Factories, I can tell you that. <laughs> During this stint in public school, she joined the musical theater club and immediately fell in love with it. Young Rebecca had always been passionate about singing and dancing, and in the theater community, she found a support group that made her feel welcome. For the first time in her life, Rebecca felt accepted and things were going well
0: <laughs>
1: for for now Coming into eighth grade, Rebecca learned that her friend Elena had done something cool over the summer. She'd recorded her own song complete with a music video it. G- G- Arc- J- Patel-
0: so i'm not i'm not trying to say this in a way to be mean to rebecca black we promised we wouldn't yeah that girl can actually sing yes. for a 13 year old and that already puts it in a kind of a better starting spot than friday got
1: friday isn't the best example of rebecca black singing she's had a, a long career since then and it's been uphill from well, there. yeah she's so. done with puberty by now. yeah <laughs> you know but you know when child singers are a crapshoot like oh yeah Like, sometimes they work, but most of the time they don't because they can't. They're not fully developed yet.
0: Right. Their vocal cords are changing shape every freaking month.
1: Like, yeah, like once every 20 years you get this, like, like freak prodigy who performs at Carnegie Hall, but these are, like, mostly just regular-ass kids in Orange County who just happen to have rich-ass parents who, like, just have enough money to put them in this little vanity video.
0: Yep. And I also will say that that song was less offensively bad. It feels like they're trying a little harder.
1: Yes. So the early ARC music songs, they were trying a little bit. It was just kind of dumbed down versions of regular pop songs.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I know if my friend made that music video and I was in middle school, well, let's say I was a middle school girl. Yeah. I would think that was cool.
1: Yeah. You'd think and that was And I also shit.
0: think... If I was Rebecca Black, I would have been pissed when I saw how Friday
1: turned out. Oh, shit. Like, she actually says that she didn't hear the song until like the day before they shot the video. So she went, she recorded the vocals, and then like six weeks went by, she didn't hear the final cut at all. So she didn't know that it sounded like shit. Is there literally a part where I just tell you what day comes next? (laughs) My friends at least had lyrics. So that was the song Butterflies by Elena Lee, and it was produced by a company called Arc Music Factory, a label which marketed itself as a one stop shop for aspiring artists. For a fee of $2,000 to $4,000, Arc would write, record, and produce a song for you, as well as a music video. It would even take press photos and shop the single to more mainstream labels, all while letting the artist maintain control of the master recordings. Interesting. It's an interesting and let's just say unconventional business model. Was he banking on none of this ever
0: taking off? He had to be, because if you he's only going to charge 4000 and you get the master recording. Yeah. He's assuming you're not going to sell records at any point.
1: I think the product for him isn't the music. It's these parents paying $4,000 to have their kids in a video. And then they shoot the video for as cheap as humanly possible. And he's writing all, he's writing and producing all the songs. So that covers that overhead. So I think, I think, I really think it's just, it's a vanity project. It's like, you know, at Disney World where you get your picture taken next to Donald Duck or some shit like that. It appears to his unspoken condition is he gets an appearance. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that song does feature a bridge from Patrice Wilson, the same guy who does the random bridge in the Friday video. Let's hear what that sounds like. Oh, you give me back in the day, the day I had butterflies. The way you're feeling now, I'm feeling crazy.
0: It made me think about this one girl. Uh, she sat in the back of the class. The way you looked at him was the same way I looked at her. Back in the seat.
1: Breeze every time she smiled, I winked at her. She winked at me. This was no fairy tale. She got me going out of my
0: mind. Homeward, she helped me with my grades. filling everything, eating sugar cake. Uh, and now you're being in the same situation. Take it to court, cold, huh. no reservation. You give me potashire.
1: Okay, so obviously, this guy's not a master rapper. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, just, I mean I'll give him points for you
0: know trying to put himself in the shoes of a middle school boy. <laughs> who like it is who awkward. like looks at like,
1: you know, you have a you have a middle schooler in this household, Cal. Like do you ever like listen to the shit that your kid says and like, oh that takes me back to this time? And does it feel <laughs> no. make you feel warm and nostalgic hearing her bitch about some shit that happened no. on Snapchat?
0: No, you listen to it and you just go, ah, <laughs> <laughs>
1: I remember that shit. Have fun. This has been something that's been kind of bugging me, is why does he feel the need to put himself in every song?
0: Maybe in his mind, it's exposure. If he's in enough stupid videos, someone's going to see it and be like, oh, the rap guy's not that bad. (laughs) The kid sucks, but what about this (laughs) big black dude that's singing the rap verse?
1: (laughs) For Rebecca, this sounded like a really fun idea. She asked her mother if she could record a song with Ark, and her mother said yes. In the fall of 2010, the two of them met with ARC co-founder Patrice Wilson, who offered Rebecca a song he'd written called Superwoman. This was supposedly a love song about a girl pledging to be a guy's superhero, but that idea didn't appeal to Rebecca, in part because she'd just recently broken up with her first boyfriend. So, I find this to be really cute. The reason that she didn't want to do Superman was because she'd just broken up with a boy, and this relationship, quote-unquote, lasted three days and it ended because Rebecca was too scared to talk to the boy in class. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that that's the middle school dating experience. Yeah, I know. Right there. It's that's that's what middle school is all about. Like you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, which just means you like hold hands during recess yeah. while the other kids snicker at you. <laughs> and then two weeks later it's over and your life is ruined and you're gonna go put on freak on a leash and just <laughs> Lincoln Park. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> a song called Superwoman and a girl pledging to be a guy's superhero that that doesn't appeal to me now. No. That seems like an unhealthy relationship dynamic.
1: Yeah, it's, it's weirdly sexist. I, well, it, so one
0: thing I've learned through the years, I think this goes both ways both genders, but you get kind of raised by Hollywood to think relationships should be dramatic and about saving someone else and about completing each other and it's Yeah. I've learned that's not really what it is. You need to be a complete healthy person first.
1: That, that is very true, and it's like, if you're looking for that person who's going to save your soul or complete you, like it's not going to work until you fix those problems yourself, and then find somebody who is compatible, who's nice to be around, and that you care about, and then figure out, are their faults like not bad enough that I can tolerate being with this person for long periods of time?
0: Patrice, we already can tell. You know, he, he likes to rap about middle school romances. He wrote
1: this, this song. <laughs> well, that's be that's, that's, that's all he can write about writing for 13 year old girls. Like your options are very limited. Like, yeah, what, you, you can't talk about like fucking cocaine or <laughs> money problems. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> Braces suck. Yeah. Braces hurt. Faced with a tight deadline, Patrice hastily composed an alternative song in the middle of the night. Like literally Cal, he was working on the song Thursday night, just like coming up with like the melody and the hook. <laughs> and he was like struggling and struggling and about to give up. And he looked at the clock and he saw that it was one o'clock in the morning on Friday. So he's thinking to himself, oh, it's Friday now, Friday, Friday. And it comes oh, into his no. head. So, it's <laughs> like, I got flash of lightning, you know, <laughs> light bulb turns on stroke of genius. So this time Rebecca approved of the song and her mom paid $4,000 to record the song Friday. In early January, the ARC music crew came to Rebecca's house to film the video for the song. So just some stats about the production of this video. And again, like if you, if it's been a while for you, I would pause the podcast and just watch the video front to back because it is just so goddamn weird. So this took 12 hours to record. It was shot in a single day. Jesus. Yeah. It cost less than $2,000 to film all of the kids in the video are rebecca's real friends like we said they use her real house her real family is shown at the beginning and somebody loaned them a convertible because uh they were looking for a bus and they couldn't find a bus
0: 12 hours that is a marathon for an adult yeah i to mean get a bunch of kids to to film this shit for 12 hours is i
1: mean that's like a normal hollywood shoot but Everyone here is an amateur, so they don't they're not used to that.
0: Well I just think of my attention span and work ethic at thirteen. 13 oh no, god no. There's
1: no chance. No, it's like it's a miracle if you can get a thirteen year old to even watch a thirty minute video of anything. The video for Friday was uploaded to YouTube on february tenth, twenty eleven. For the first month of its existence, nobody really paid attention to it outside of Rebecca's friends and family. At most it garnered maybe three or four thousand views. The handful of comments on the video were mostly positive remarks from people Rebecca knew. Stuff like, oh my god, you're so cute. Oh my god, I love this. You know, stuff stuff like that.
0: That's what it should have stayed at. Little did she know that she was entering (laughs) the dark area of the internet.
1: Yes. The thing to keep in mind here is that for Rebecca, this is basically just a fun little project to do over winter break. And, you know, for her mom, it was just like an extracurricular activity that would look good on a college application. That's all this was supposed to be. Nobody expected this to blow up. You know, nobody thought that, like, this is going to be a viral hit. They weren't aiming for that.
0: No, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because this is when you're standing on the precipice of,
1: like, was the internet a
0: mistake after all? Yes.
1: You know? (laughs) The internet is, like, becoming like a teenager at this point. It's starting to come into its own. It's starting Mm -hmm. to develop a personality and it's starting to be kind of ugly and mean and awkward. So, Rebecca did want to be a singer. She had always loved singing and dancing, she wanted to attend Berkeley or Juilliard or some school of music like that, but this song was never supposed to be her launching pad to pop stardom. But on March 11th, roughly one month after Friday's release, everything would change. Rebecca noticed a comment on her video, something to the effect of, this song sucks, but it's about to become huge. She did some digging and noticed that the video had been featured on the blog for Comedy Central's Tosh.0. Within days, the video racked up millions of views, and Rebecca was deluged with a tidal wave of virtual hate. Friday earned over 3 million dislikes, overtaking Justin Bieber's baby to become the most disliked video on YouTube. Jesus. And there's actually like a, an even worse dig here because uh, at the time, uh, Rebecca was like a huge Justin Bieber fan. She's a 13 year old girl. Yeah, like, of they course all she were. would be. They all were. I but, won't hold that against her. But I think uh, Bieber posted some kind of tweet making fun of the song or the lyrics to it what a little fucking prick yeah so just imagine like this boy that you just have a massive crush on making fun of (laughs) yours like piling on the bandwagon that would hurt what a little knobhead fuck that guy yeah fuck that guy like to the present he's never gotten better but the dislikes paled in comparison to the comments On YouTube, Twitter, and other platforms, viewers from all over the world held nothing back when expressing disgust for Rebecca's video. She was called fat, ugly, untalented, a bitch, a whore, literally every bad thing you could possibly think of. In a later interview, Rebecca recalled one comment that said, quote, I hope you cut yourself, and I hope you get an eating disorder so you'll look pretty, and I hope you go cut and die. What the fuck, dude?
0: Well, so this is what I was trying to say of... This is literally just some, you know, 13-year-old 4chan troll trying to be edgy. Their whole humor was like, what's the worst thing you can say to someone? And then go say it. And they are not stopping and realizing that she is a human being.
1: You know what's fucked, Cal, is it might be a 13-year-old, but I could just as easily see a 45-year-old doing this. Like, there is some fucking sick-ass grown-ups in the world. Trump got elected for a reason. (laughs) Like, there's so much fucking grossness out there. And- my God, like, okay, you hate the song. I hate the song too. Rebecca hates the song. Like, it's, Yeah, see, that's but, not,
0: that's the thing, though. Like, that's not the point to that guy. He has just a bunch of inner hatred that he needs to get out somewhere. Yeah. And this is a convenient punching bag because everybody's doing it. And look how bad it is. It's not even wrong to make fun of it.
1: So, yeah, we're, dude, like, it's not Rebecca's fault that your dad never showed up to your baseball games as a yeah, kid. Yeah, exactly. Overnight, Rebecca's life had turned upside down. She was mobbed at school, tormented online, and her name was all over the media, usually accompanied by the words, worst, song, and ever. She recalls crying in her mother's bedroom, wondering what to do about the situation. Her mother called up Arc Music Factory, who offered to take the video down. And, you know, we're going to be shitting on Ark a lot in this episode, but this is actually kind of a rare moment of decency where this video is like already blowing up. It's getting like tens of thousands more views than anything they'd ever post on their channel, and apparently they did offer to take it down once shit got really out of hand. We know from their business
0: model they weren't making any money off it anyway, so...
1: Yeah, not at at this point. It was at this moment that Rebecca Black made an incredibly brave decision that would impact the rest of her life. She told Ark that, Come what may, she would not take down the video. Boom, boom, boom,
0: boom, nut, nut. That is some. <laughs> that is some gangster shit. It is gangsta. It's it really is ballsy.
1: And her philosophy was that like she's not going to let the haters win. Yeah, like no, it's punk rock as fuck. Yeah, it's like you like you're already in this. You might as well just own it. Yep. No one's going to forget this video at this point. It might have died down to the point where if she had stopped you know she might have only gotten as viral as like i don't know the star wars kid but it wouldn't have made the news it wouldn't have been right like something that crossed over into the mainstream because that's what's fucked about friday is that it ended up on morning shows and on jimmy fallon and you know conan and all that shit like it might have stopped it from reaching that no i love it lean in yeah it's it's a it's a ballsy thing to do at 13 like like, keep in mind, this is a girl that, like, a couple months earlier was too scared to talk to her boyfriend in class. And now she's making, like, a braver decision than any of us could possibly make.
0: That's pretty sweet when you think about it that way. <laughs> when Lynn when Fizkit goes,
1: now I know why you want to hate me. <laughs> this is She's already so much more OG than Fred actually was. Her experience is what Fred Durst thinks his experience yes. was. By leaving Friday up on YouTube, Rebecca remained vulnerable to mass cyberbullying, but as she's often pointed out, there was a silver lining to it all. The song's notoriety yielded numerous opportunities that she never would have come across otherwise. She appeared on Good Morning America and The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and was featured in a series of Funny or Die videos that spoofed various aspects of the song. But for Rebecca, the biggest thrill came when she was asked to make a cameo in the video for Katy Perry's Last Friday Night. so in the video for that song katy perry knocks on a door and rebecca like pulls her into this party so it's pretty cool she got to be a katy perry video
0: yeah and she's she's featured kind of prominently more than i was expecting i thought it'd be yeah. like a cameo but no and she's in it a bunch
1: and that's a video that features like uh Corey feldman and kenny G and like a bunch of other like legit pop stars so like she she got to hang around some pretty cool people For Rebecca, meeting the pop icon was a dream come true, and Katy Perry ended up giving her a lot of encouraging advice. Like, she kind of, like, took Rebecca under her wing for a little bit and, like, just kind of told her that, you know, you are a good singer, this is going to pass, and, like, like things are going to be okay. And that was a really, really important moment in Rebecca's life.
0: That would be really surreal.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, of course, the millions and millions of views Friday received made it a money-printing machine. But as we've said before on this show... The more money, comes more problems. Every time. And the success of Friday opened up a nasty rift between Rebecca's family and Ark Music Factory. So, recall that under Ark's contracts, artists are entitled to the master recordings of the songs they release. Well, on March 29th, 2011, Rebecca's mother filed a legal complaint claiming that Ark had never handed them the masters. The letter also said that Ark had exploited the song without Rebecca's permission by selling a Friday ringtone, for example, and had falsely claimed that Rebecca was exclusive to the label. As the legal battle raged on, Ark began charging two ninety nine to watch Friday on YouTube. They can see the writings on the wall. And they're trying trying to cash in while yeah, they can.
0: He knows he missed a payday here.
1: Soon thereafter, Rebecca's family managed to get the song taken down, and in September of 2011, it was re-uploaded on Rebecca's own YouTube channel. God, she's a gangster. Yeah, yeah, no, like yep.
0: put that shit right back up.
1: Her channel exists to this day, and Friday has about 150 million views on it. And to this day, like it's like the conduit to a lot of her more like legitimate songs and and her more legitimate videos. So like people come in like for nostalgia's sake to watch Friday and then it autoplays into like one of her real songs, and that's how a lot of people discover the rest of her career.
0: I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second. I get where Arc Music Factory's coming from here. You gotta be looking at those millions of views and all this exposure going, uh oh, we fucked up. Our business model sucks.
1: Yeah. I think they might have been making some money off of YouTube views, but you don't make a ton of money from YouTube views alone they definitely they should have owned the masters if they if they were operating like a real record label they would have owned the masters and they would have tried to screw rebecca out of as much of it as possible so they just they really weren't suited for actual legitimate success which is why they had to harvest the one profitable aspect of the song which was the youtube views yep and as we'll see that like kind of plays into their thinking you know for the rest of their existence So at this point, we're going to pause the story of Rebecca Black and focus on Arc Music Factory. You see, Friday didn't just transform Rebecca's life. It also put this obscure company on the map. Patrice Wilson was as surprised as anyone else by Friday's success, but he quickly learned how to exploit it, and this would lead him and the company to some very dark places. Part 2. Patrice Wilson was born in Nigeria. His father was a Nigerian chemical engineer, and his mother was an Irish church minister. He began playing the piano at age seven and sang in the choir at his mother's church. Later in life, he went to Europe to attend medical school while also shining as a track and field athlete. At one point, he was even training to represent Nigeria in the 2000 Olympics. You actually see some like images of him. Like People make fun of him. They call him Fat Usher, but he's not fat. He's actually just really jacked. <laughs> he's built like a fucking NFL linebacker.
0: I, I'm thinking about his, uh, his father, the chemical engineer. I'm thinking he he spent this i'm imagining i'm assuming this guy spent his life studying really hard and raising himself up.
1: no, he's super like precocious,
0: yeah, and then his son goes on to be the art music factory guy. <laughs>
1: But the thing is, like, he was, stu- he went to medical school. He was gonna be in the Olympics. He went to like m- multiple prep schools. He was in a prep school that his mother founded in Nigeria. Jeez. Like, so this guy is super fucking precocious. He's, he's m- attended multiple universities, but like, it's somewhere along the way, he ends up being the Friday guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the f- a fate worse than death.
1: I mean, it, it reminds me of Isaiah Taylor. Remember the guy that we talked about in Bahamas? and go back and listen to that episode. If, if you want to hear more on that, like just a very serious professional musician from the Bahamas, like of 30 years ends up being the who let the dogs out guy. Like <laughs> how it was while studying in Slovakia, however, that his life took a sudden turn hanging out in the streets of the capital city, Bratislava, Patrice ran into Slovakian pop star Ibrahim Maiga. <speaking in the language> <laughs>
0: that, that was fucking dope dude that was the best thing you've ever played me
1: this might be the best song that we play in this episode
0: <laughs> i don't know if i've told you this but that's what i hear in my
1: dreams i i have no idea what the lyrics are but like it's that's just fun i i can see why that guy was a hit in slovakia <laughs> fun fact he later ran for the european parliament
0: there's always some f- story like that with these fucking guys <laughs> They never just make a quirky, weird song. They're always a crazy guy, you find out.
1: I know. Like, there's there's so many rabbit holes. We don't have time to, to go into all the stories of all the people we talk about. But Ibrahim Maiga's a fun one. So Ibrahim Maiga was born in the African nation of Mali, but moved to Slovakia to attend university. And somewhere along the way, he started making music. And he became just like this really big pop star and actor in his adopted country. So what happened was, according to Patrice, Maiga stopped him in the middle of the street, and he stopped him solely because he was another black man, and it was so unusual to see any black people in Slovakia. So it was literally just like, hey, you're a black man, I'm a black man. Yeah, makes sense. We're in the middle of fucking Eastern Europe. Well, imagine
0: if like, you or me were hanging out, I I don't know where, you and me are in Nigeria, and we run into some random white guy.
1: This story could have taken place in central Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Patrice and Ibrahim Maiga hit it off and they discovered a mutual love of music. This led to Maiga inviting Patrice to tour with him as a backing vocalist. Patrice got a taste of the musician's life and realized it was what he always wanted to do. So at this point, he's like, he's studying medicine in Slovakia. He's training for the Olympics but being the backup singer to the guy that you just heard <laughs> makes him want to throw all of that in the dustbin. <laughs> oh, you must have been getting a lot of beautiful Slovakian woman, women or something. Okay, if that's, I, can, I can see that if that's the case. In 2000, Patrice moved to the United States and, after studying the entertainment business at Whitworth University in Spokane, settled in Los Angeles to embark on his solo music career. He took the stage name Pato and began marketing himself as a rapper. Pato. Pato. That's
0: that sounds like some kind of
1: dish. Like a like a South American food. So we could not find any of Pato's music. Apparently there there was the only the closest thing I could find was there was one blogger that dug up his old MySpace profile via the Wayback Machine, but none of the music links work. So, like, we don't know what Pato sounded like or what kind of demos he was pushing to Sony. But, like, just if you judge from the rapping that you heard in some of those ARC songs and his compositions for ARC songs, I think it's safe to assume that this stuff was nothing to write <laughs> home about. I don't know. Maybe it'd I'm it'd mean, be
0: but- like, no, it'd be like digging up, you know, the middle school Battle, battle of the Bands tapes or something. <laughs> yeah. like,
1: I'm sure it's garbage unable to break ground as a solo artist, Patrice shifted his focus toward producing others instead. In 2010, he co-founded Ark Music Factory with an Australian producer and songwriter named Clarence J. Do you know what uh why they called it Ark Music Factory, Cal? No idea. It's Noah's Ark from the Bible. Patrice is a very religious man. His mother was a minister and, you know, he th- wanted this to be his ark where all the little children would come and all, all and, the
0: fledgling rebecca blacks can come all
1: the little preteens can come into the ark and be shielded from the flood of viral hatred i don't think he succeeded his heart had a leak <laughs> so the mission of this company according to patrice was quote to make it possible for an emerging artist to be discovered defined and delivered to advance in their chosen career and be successful Unlike most labels, which pay the artist some kind of advance against sales, ARK charged the artist 2000 to 4000 to record up front. In return, ARK would write, produce, and promote their single, as well as record a music video. The singer owned the masters, while ARK retained publishing rights and all sales from the songs.
0: Yeah, we, we alluded to it a bit earlier, but I guess we'll reiterate. That is a stupid business model. The more
1: I think about it, the more it hurts. I think... I think his idea was that somewhere he's going to find the next Justin Bieber. Like maybe this he may he thinks he's some kind of poor man Steve Greenberg.
0: <laughs> right, but let's say he does. He's now set himself up to not capitalize on that at all.
1: It would be more of like credibility building maybe. I don't know, I'm just I'm just throwing darts at the wall here, but he tried being a a singer in his own right. That didn't work. So maybe he just gets known as a producer for rebecca black or alina lee and someone invites him to do the next taylor swift i don't know i don't know what this guy's game is sure but we know based on the fact that he's putting himself in all these songs that a big part of it is about him yeah so i think a lot of it is just trying to establish his own credibility or he's just thinking that short term he's just trying to make rent yeah he's like
0: show up give me four grand i'll make a video that could be it
1: like you know he needs, he needs some money. His only talent is, you know, besides track and field, is, is producing songs, you know, these kind of fly by night pop numbers. There's a lot of rich parents in Southern California. Like, hey, give me a bunch of money. I'll put your kid in a music video. Oh my God, it's so cool. So initially, Wilson and Jay had hoped to develop a wide variety of talent, but they soon found that their business model naturally appealed to one specific demographic teenagers, and their wealthy parents. By the time Rebecca Black had signed on, ARC had already established its sound and image. The songs invariably consist of generic synth-pop melodies, heavily auto-tuned vocals, and frankly atrocious lyrics. Like just nearly all of these are just vapid love songs, like stuff that makes Justin Bieber look like John Lennon.
0: Well, I mean, can you imagine having to write a middle school love song over and over and over in different ways? <laughs> I feel for him a
1: little bit. There's not much for him to work with. There's one song by an artist, an arc artist called CJ Fam. It's called Ordinary Pop Star. The thesis of this song is that she wants to be an ordinary pop star. She, she sings about how she she's tired of the paparazzi harassing her. She's tired of signing autographs. She's tar- tired of all the press attention. It would make sense if like Taylor Swift or Miley Cyrus sang this song, but like as the debut single <laughs> of a thirteen-year-old wannabe pop star, I don't want to be an ordinary pop star. It's like, Cal, I am so sick of being a world-famous multi-millionaire podcaster. <laughs> I am so sick of like having to sign <laughs> deals with Audible and having girls throw themselves at us like day in and day out. Like I just want to go back to recording in your house for <laughs> almost nobody. Eggshell canisters
0: on the wall, or what is it? Egg cartons, Egg on, cartons the wall. on the
1: wall to make this sound less shitty. Most curiously, the vast majority of these songs feature some type of verse from Pato himself. Consider this one from the bridge of Kaya Rosenthal's Can't Get You Out of My Mind.
0: This fucking rocket rocket rock Kiah love my say you bark. mind, the you want to do it baby. You down you up you going quick 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 crazy. Trying to get him out of your mind, trying to you can't out of your mind.
1: Like, why does he do that?
0: I don't do that one up to the creep factor a little bit for me. Yeah. Are we going to be on some kind of list by the end of this episode with I, all uh, these that we
1: have to research? Like you were saying off air, like the creep factor, and it's it's a bit of a subtle one, but it's... The fact that here is an adult person. We don't know what his relationship to these kids is, but he's clearly invested in their lives and their stories in ways that just make no sense yeah. in real life. You know, I'm the stepfather of a 13 year old girl. Yeah.
0: I would not let her be in one of these videos. So no. you know, Something about this is starting to rub me the wrong way. It's, it's
1: freaking weird. It's going to get a lot worse, dude. Believe me. <laughs> when friday blew up in 2011 arc was flooded with media attention see what i did there cal yeah uh sorry although rebecca herself was overwhelmed with mean comments the media's depiction of patrice was mostly positive they would just like introduce him as like the genius behind uh friday and
0: he he... (laughs) that phrase just shouldn't even be uttered i know It's it's like steve how they introduce like alfred hitchcock or something that's for fucking friday
1: (laughs) (laughs) like he did some kind of thing with good morning america like some kind of talent show trying to find the next arc music factory singer so like i think he got what he wanted out of this he got notoriety for himself some sort of credibility as a producer but as we're gonna see that didn't last very long but with the ongoing lawsuits from rebecca black's family the whole situation began to unravel Put off by the lawsuit and the general controversy over Friday, co-founder Clarence J. left the company in May of 2011. He has since had a successful career producing music for film and television. So, like, he's the guy with the conscience in this story. He's yeah, the guy no. that, that, like, remember in uh, Enron, the smartest guys in I, the room? That's what I was just going to bring a, up. There was, like, one guy who, like... Ajit Pai or something, or Lou Pai. Lou Pai, yeah, not Ajit Pai. He's He's, he's the asshole, yeah, yeah. He's the fcc yeah like lupi was like the guy that like when that story was starting to like hit the fan he got out right before like the stock actually tanked
0: yeah no he is uh he kept all his money he's living it up somewhere
1: yeah no for patrice meanwhile friday transformed his entire outlook on the music industry gone were his dreams of winning people over with well-crafted legitimately popular songs instead pato had stumbled on an effective if disreputable shortcut creating controversial meme music in late 2011 arc music factory went defunct and patrice founded a new company called pmw or pato music world <laughs> i know <laughs> he's he never gave up on pato <laughs> it's like this is the pato empire now from now on i
0: want you to call me calvo
1: calvo <laughs> nico <laughs> the new label picked up right where arc had left off And in November of 2012, Pato released a new song which looked for all the world like an attempt to recreate both the sound and the viral hatred of Friday. I'm talking about Nicole Westbrook's It's Thanksgiving. (laughs)
0: when he when he comes up into the screen i lost my mind you guys you have to just see the this sucks doing something that the video is funny on an audio format
1: yeah this is a limitation of this episode is so much of the creepiness of arc music factory is not just the songs but the music videos and this one is no exception oh my god that when the rap bridge starts is the funniest moment so like in this one the whole structure of it is the same. It is the same as Friday. It starts out with a calendar. Oh dude, it's weirdly the same. And like and she wakes up in bed just like yep. Friday. She's singing about one specific thing that everybody knows about.
0: Well instead of doing like a breakdown of the days of the week for you, she yeah. does a breakdown of the holidays for yeah, you. Yeah, December
1: was Christmas, January was New th- Year. And then he says, in the 4th of July, like he had to cram it in there.
0: At some point, so he goes, we, we, we. It's like, yeah. he
1: knew, <laughs> he's trying to repeat the the formula here. This is like the equivalent of like Chubby Checker had like, let's do the twist. And then a year later he had, let's twist again. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. this is basically that. It's just a shameless ripoff of his original hit.
0: One other thing I want to try and talk about again, I can't point it out. That'd be sweet, but... Near the end of the video, he's inexplicably at their Thanksgiving table. (laughs) He's the only adult. adult. It's just him and all these children, who are clearly not his children because they're (laughs)
1: multiracial.
0: So you're sitting there going, why is he here? He's like Is he like the hired party clown? Like what's he doing?
1: That's a lot of arc videos, is like there's a bunch of kids running around, and then Pato is there and he's the only (laughs) adult. Is he trying to like market himself as some kind of fucked up Pied Piper or something? (laughs) Well, in this one, he's in
0: a a turkey outfit, so he comes off as like, you know... uh, Like, yay!
1: I'm like, like, oh, it's wacky Uncle Pato! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, this song did blow up a little bit in 2012. It got tens of millions of views. It inevitably got compared to Friday... And it, you know, she got on morning shows. It wasn't as gigantic of a sensation as Friday, but it definitely made Ark or sorry, Pato Music World some money and, uh, you know, and just brought his face back into the limelight. So, Nicole Westbrook, she didn't last too long after Thanksgiving. She didn't have a follow-up. But later that year, Patrice discovered another preteen girl who would become the bedrock of the Pato Meme machine. Her name was Allison Gold. I was trying to think of an analogy, Cal, and I think if we can consider patrice wilson to be like some kind of like fucked up Mimi quentin tarantino allison gold is his uma thurman sure like she's his muse she's gonna be in a lot of or his like, music videos like
0: tim burton and helena bonham carter or something yeah and johnny yeah. depp
1: like we're gonna see a series of videos and songs featuring allison gold and each one is gonna get more fucked up than the last it all started with the song skip rope by a duo called tween chronic Jesus Christ. I know. Tween Chronic. Uh,
0: society's officially going down the toilet, Nick.
1: So Tween Chronic is made up of Alison Gold and another artist who goes by the name of Stacy. They look like they're about 10 or 11 when this video is shot. And so the song itself is just this innocuous ode to jump roping ostensibly, but it's the video that's fucked up. The video basically centered around these obvious parodies of gangster rap tropes. Like they set it up to look like a gangster rap video. So for example, there are several shots where you have this preteen boy who's dressed as a drug dealer. He opens up this uh, jacket to reveal like uh, it's stuffed with like Snickers bars and candy and stuff. And he like in kind of a hushed tone manner, he digs this stuff out of his pockets and hands it to other preteens for cash. And then they're using pixie sticks. They open up the pixie sticks and pour them all over their faces. And it's pretty obvious what that's meant to remind you of. It's it's a different kind of powder. Jesus.
0: <laughs> Do the parents they not see these videos until they're out? Yeah, I don't find Well, and I guess my next question is, the balls on Pato, like, what doesn't he think at some point he might get some kid whose parents aren't cool with this and come back to him like pissed off?
1: Southern California is a strange place. LA is a strange place. And there are a lot of parents that want to make their kids famous. No matter what. And also a lot of parents that just really suck at saying no. <laughs> you know, you you have kids, Cal, like it's a hard thing to say no to kids, but a really important lesson that a lot of parents, at least from what I see, don't seem to pick up on.
0: Yeah, it's that's your main job, honestly. <laughs> there there's this trend of parents who want to be their kids' friend. Yeah. And no, it's 90% of your relationship is them calling you an asshole and you questioning if you are indeed an asshole. Yeah, and because you got because you have to say no to them over everything.
1: Yeah, otherwise they're gonna be fucking junkies in in ten years. I don't know. I think a I think a lot of this was just really dumb parents, and there are a lot of those in L.A. who are just so seduced by the idea of fame and just really suck at you know telling their kids no. Yeah. So eventually, Stacy fell off the map, and they started using Alison Gold as a solo artist. Her first single, ABCDEFG. that's what the fuck okay all right I'll let you keep going (laughs) yeah the first sale is called AVCDEFG it is another basically forgettable synth pop song but again the music video is the creepy part okay okay so I just showed Cal the music video for AVCDEFG what are your thoughts Cal I'm at a
0: loss dude I just I just sat there with my mouth open the entire time we watched this thing (laughs) This this took the bad touch up yet another notch. Yeah.
1: So like if I could try to summarize what happens, feel free to interject Kel. So Patrice Wilson, he's dressed as Mr. Rogers. He peers through a window into Allison's room. She doesn't a appear a tiny to... window. This yeah. is like
0: how Mr. Rogers had the the small town. Yeah, the make believe world. Yeah, so it's it's small.
1: Yeah, so like he peers through this tiny little window and Allison is in the her room singing the song. She doesn't appear to notice him, so he's like being a peeping Tom. Oh, and he's got this weird big smile. Yeah. It's, it's weird. In this house that Allison's in, she's got like a love interest. Pat- the whole thesis of the video is, is like Patrice as God slash Mr. Rogers trying to set them up. So he invites them to a club via his van, which is called Wilson's Wagon.
0: <laughs> he leaves her this note outside the door that says, "Get
1: on, and it, get in." And it's all—it looks like a ransom note. It's super <laughs> weird. Like, if you don't know what we're talking about, like just later on tonight, watch the video. Yeah, first. I feel like you have to watch these. <laughs> it's so fucked up and then later in the video he he attempts to spike the punch with something called love potion now again like he plays it off like this is kids entertainment and so and it's the kind of thing where like if you watch this as a 10 year old it's not going to seem creepy to you no not at all but if you watch this as a jaded older person who knows a thing or two about the world it's gonna be very creepy
0: yes patrice has me full worried if i was an fbi person and saw these
1: yeah he'd be on my watch list like you definitely wouldn't want your stepdaughter being any of these videos no right? i don't, wouldn't want him within 10 feet of this dude or 100 feet but it was allison's next single that struck well gold in terms of viral controversy This is the utterly obnoxious, arguably racist song, Chinese Food. I gotta say, Cal, of all the arc like Patrice Wilson songs that I had to watch for the sake of this episode, that's the one that like fucked with my brain the most. We, we've talked about how I get these songs stuck in my head because I'm forced <laughs> to listen to all them. That was the worst one of all the ones we've done yet so far on Polishing Turds. Like
0: <laughs> you're trying to make a coffee, I love yeah, Chinese.
1: I know. I just I could. It would be like hours. Like I'd try to listen to real music. It wouldn't work. Like just. It's just so, ugh, it's so infectious. And when you combine it with like the video where again, and again, I don't want to make this a homework assignment, but the video is what takes all this shit to the next level. You have like this young little girl who just, she really, she looks like a girl. Like she is young and innocent and dumb about the world. And that's okay. We're not, we're not attacking her. It's the way she's presented. They dress her up. They make her up to look like an adult. Yeah. And it's so nerve wracking to watch.
0: Well, and then the first lyrics, and she's like, "I go clubbing" or something like that. Yeah.
1: After bawling, I go clubbing. <laughs> no, eleven year old is going clubbing.
0: <laughs> and if the they fuck? are, I
1: have a long series of
0: questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so Allison Gold was eleven at the time that this was released. When this song came out, it got notorious not just for how kind of dumb the song and the hook is, but it also got a very negative reaction from the Asian American community. And part of it is that like it's really it's not celebrating Chinese food authentically. It's celebrating an americanized idea of Chinese sure. food. Like fortune cookies, you know, is is an american invention. It's not
0: It'd be like if there is a Chinese pop song on- burgers and fries yeah and saying that that's McDonald's, american food yeah, that's specifically. All
1: yeah and so like you know and then there, there's just other little things like uh when they play monopoly they have the peace land on oriental avenue like, <laughs> i didn't even notice that yeah that's a little like yeah that's not, on the nose that's not that's not good And then the thing that, and then there's a, there's a character running around in a panda costume who's like playing with Alice and gold. Like they're like tickling in the grass. And then, uh, the guy in the panda costume takes his head off and guess who's inside Cal? (laughs) Pato! Pato! He's the, Pato
0: the panda. That's what, I think that's my favorite Pato reveal
1: of all the ones. (laughs) in every arc video there's a moment where pato like shows Pops up
0: in. he's got his goofy ass smile
1: and it's just like it's it's just like the the moment that takes the cake in every arc video but the thing that people got the most upset about was uh, there's a part in the video where they're all dancing in these kimonos you know, just for those of you that don't know, kimonos are a Japanese dress. It's not related to China. And then and like yeah, that
0: one's some, that's easy to get right. Yeah. Like and they didn't
1: No, like this is like something that would make more sense in like the 1950s. Like I'm not trying to make this a big diatribe into cultural appropriation, but you gotta be a little bit sensitive. If you want to celebrate Panda Express as like shitty fast food you eat when you're drunk, like Go for it. But right. like just to have it be the representative of authentic Chinese food, <laughs> this like 4000-year-old tradition, you know, with billions of people living that experience daily, like it-
0: in general right now in this world we live in, it's just stay away from shit like that in general.
1: But, like, the controversy was exactly the point. Like, he knew that this was going to get a negative reaction, and it did. And, you know, and when something gets a lot of uh, negative attention, gets a lot of dislikes, gets a lot of comments, that means YouTube's going to put it in more algorithms. And, you know, this song got uh, 40,000 comments in the first 48 hours. It got 5 million views. And that is exactly what Patrice Wilson was going for. He doesn't think this is a good song. No. He knows it sucks. Yeah. Allison might not know it, but like he's been around enough. He's he. This guy has degrees. Like well, and
0: that that's where this becomes a little ex- exploitative. Like you were saying, absolutely. Of, uh, the eleven-year-old is gonna get a fair or an unfair share of the hate here.
1: He knows this. He saw what happened to Rebecca Black. He yeah. saw that it made her cry. And his response was to trot out other preteen girls and push them through the same ringer. It gets me views. That's what's fucked up about this whole thing is if like there's a lot of guys on YouTube that do cringy stuff on purpose. Obviously, there's like Jake Paul and all that shit. But at least like those guys are making asses of themselves. Yeah. You know, not directing all the they're basically using these kids as human shields.
0: He could be creating cringy, stupid pato music videos on his own. He's yeah. clearly capable.
1: Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't He doesn't need, need the girl. Do. Yeah. But the controversy surrounding Chinese food was merely an appetizer for the next Wilson Gold collaboration. A track called Shush Up. So here we're gonna do a little experiment. Like this video is so fucked up that yeah, there's there's no way we could just summarize it in a couple of lines. So we are actually gonna watch this thing in real time. And uh, the original version was actually deleted, but there's a re upload version on YouTube, and it is just such a mind fuck. Like, you can look up this video if you want, but I'm telling you, like, it's pretty fucking disturbing. So alright, Cal, go ahead and are you ready
0: yeah all right we'll give this a shot
1: <laughs> all right let's put this on and we'll do our best to describe the the horrors in real time all right so this is the opening like she's running uh, so you got allison gold she's dressed like how would you describe her dress like Cal? a slut she, she's dressed like like a hooker
0: like okay. a literal one not not racy co- ho- costume on halloween like no, a literal hooker. like an
1: actual street walker so she just got arrested outside of a jewelry store, I guess, for robbing it. And now she's in some kind of like execution chamber. What the fuck? <laughs> like she, She's in the electric chair. 12-year-old kid in the electric chair. Gold is the new black, she says. You know what that means, Cal, right? Is it like a play on Orange is the new black? That's but part it's her of the, last name? Yeah, but also Rebecca Black this uh, <laughs> is like, it's like patrice saying like look out rebecca i gotta be a new bottom bitch all right so now the the so now the song is starting
0: i love the the gold wrapping paper around the yeah the jail cell that like
1: yeah so she's dressed in like another like slutty costume but it's all gold you know like i guess that's her brand but then, like, the bars of the prison cell are also wrapped up in gold, and there's all these, like, adult dancers that are also dressed in really slutty costumes.
0: I, I'm i just very uncomfortable, because I know the age of this kid. Yeah. If this was a Britney Spears video, sure, fine, but it's yes. like, this is a kid. No, that's the
1: thing. Like, like this, like, looks like it belongs as, like, a, a Miley Cyrus video or, like, a Lady Gaga video. Like... We're used to seeing like very hypersexualized like pop artists, but not one that's 12 years old. How would you describe the track, Cal?
0: I, well, I'm a little biased. I hate this kind of music, even when it's done well. Yeah. So when it's done shitty, this is this is nails on a chalkboard this, for me. This
1: is, a, this is a club banger. Okay, so now she's like in some kind of hospital room, and she's up hooked up to an IV, and they just stuck some kind of needle in the. IV pouch, and like all the nurses are like dressed really slutty too. Again, like all the all the other actors and all the other extras are adult aged.
0: Did not a single one of these extras at any point was like, "Hey, this is a weird <laughs> thing." A I mean,
1: like this video, this had like an actual budget. Like this is probably like a hundred thousand dollar video. So now she's in a junkyard like doing a bunch of like sexy dance moves and they're like these like shirtless dudes they're all like really jacked these like shirtless dudes pounding shit with hammers they got like hard hats on
0: i i was just it never ceases to amaze me in hollywood or or any like show business thing that these productions that can get made without a single person involved of the hundreds involved (laughs) to just stop and say hey this isn't a good idea
1: Plus, like, isn't there some kind of rule in Hollywood that, like, a parent or some kind of guardian has to be on set whenever you have a child performing? I mean, I guess this probably isn't, like, a SAG production. Okay, so now it's, like, a break. And she's walking. And, uh, and here's Patrice. Here he Pato. is. Pato. He's dressed in an orange jumpsuit. They're doing a telephone call behind the glass.
0: Is he going to rap at her? What do I do?
1: What, what just happened, Cal? <laughs> I don't know. What did happen? She asked, uh, like, maybe I can save them. Pato says, maybe you can. And then Pato says, burn. Who's she saving? I don't fucking know. Us? Okay, so, so she's, like, on a rooftop now, and, like, she's, like, about uh... 20 feet below are, like, all these, like, shirtless, like, 20-something people uh, it looks like a fucking rave. She's got a teddy bear in her hand. She's saying silver over and over again. Again the, he, this it thinks he thinks he's doing some kind of art piece. And now she like she turns into like dust and now all the club people are like feeling each other up and like just what the doing fuck? all this like hypersexualized dancing. It's it's a rave orgy inside a prison yard.
0: I'm not saying anything. <laughs> she wants me to it, shush up crank
1: it or shush up.
0: And now she's dead in the chair?
1: Yeah, she got electrocuted, but oh look there she is behind the glass. Like she it was a body double, I guess. I
0: feel like I need a shower, dude.
1: <laughs> that was really the first time I saw that video. I was like, just like legitimately freaked out. Like, I can't understand how that ever got made.
0: That's that's where I'm at. Any single one of those extras, the editor, which maybe was Pato, but
1: yeah. But it, it just, I know.
0: How does nobody step in and say, guys? Like, what she's the fuck is 12. this? What the fuck?
1: The only thing I could surmise is, you know, there's a lot of desperate actors in Hollywood. Right. I'll just, (laughs) I'll do anything. I know a lot of people in Hollywood and like, you know, people who, you know, work in like lighting or cinematography or sound design and stuff like that. And every one of them has worked on a project that they are not proud of the final product, but they did their individual thing really well. Sure. So like, they'll make fun of the final cut of the movie, but then they'll like point out like, oh, don't you like that? Like, you know, lighting right. bit I did here. Like I
0: was shirtless construction worker number three.
1: Yeah. Like it's just, it's so hard to find work. They'll just, <laughs> yeah. That's <they'll> just like, <laughs> Do you okay. see how
0: chiseled my abs were in the video? Like, just like,
1: maybe they didn't, maybe they thought they were doing a music video for like a, a real artist, not like a 12 year old. Yeah. Ooh. Like obviously we know that he's trying to generate controversy here. Like that is his game at this point, but he's he's taken it to a new level with the shush up video.
0: Yeah, this this is too far. The other one you couldn't maybe the Mr. Rogers ABCDEF. Yeah. It's fucked up to an adult. You could maybe still swing it.
1: Yeah, it's borderline. Uh- it's it's we're only- all
0: sitting here going, "Well, that was creepy," but there's no explicit like this needs to be shut down feeling. Yeah, this a- one is outright. You are sexualizing a minor. Yeah, a very minor. She's not even no, like she close. Hasn't hit, she
1: hasn't hit puberty yet. Like it's it's extremely disturbing. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think we're on a list just having watched that video. <laughs> I know I've watched it like multiple times just yeah, in research. Yeah, they're on to you now, <laughs> dude. The FBI is like camped outside my apartment. <laughs> Alright, so that video, it was only up for a few days. Like, the controversy was so intense that he had to take it down quickly. And this is like, this is the moment where Pato just kind of jumps the shark.
0: He's lucky he wasn't investigated,
1: honestly. I I think that that may have been part of the reason why he took it down, honestly, because like, that's. I consider my I'm like a like a libertarian on like on like social issues on when it comes to free speech stuff like that I'm very loose with you know what I consider to be okay but that video made me a conservative for like yeah, the five minutes yeah, that, that I watched it crosses the line it's like you know for like I became like Tipper Gore you know when I when that video came on it it made me question my whole approach to life
0: I just want to know how her parents watched this occurring and didn't have a pang of some type of guilt.
1: I mean, they had they had seen this play out like first they did the skip rope video where they're like doing this like kind of weird like gangsta drug stuff in the Mm -hmm. guise of candy. And then they had a ABCDFG with all of its weird, creepy overtones Mm -hmm. and then Chinese food, which actually did get real controversy. So like they know they're putting their kid through the ringer, just having them work with this guy okay, I get it. You want your kid to be famous. Like, but how far is too far, man?
0: Yeah, you've sold your soul.
1: It's it's fucking gross. So this video's backlash was so swift and so intense that, like we said, he took it down after just a couple of days. And to this day, uh, Patrice Wilson has not worked with Allison Gold again.
0: Good. Yeah. <laughs> <They're>, like, <laughs> we have no proof of anything, but just the videos alone gives you a bad vibe of their relationship. And that's, that's
1: the thing. Like, it's... The weird thing is how he combines child imagery with adult imagery, right? Yeah. So like that that video, it's you know, it's not shut up, it's shush up. But then they're like fucking twerking, right? And, and all that, and just grinding up against the prison bars and all that, all this really fucked up shit. Like, and same with the ABCDFG. Like she's like playing with stuffed animals one minute and then getting love potion dropped into yeah. her punch the next and minute. there's
0: even weird subtle stuff too, like when at the end of A B C D where he turns that kid into Chinese food. <laughs> and then she takes at the a end, bite? she eats the fucking egg roll.
1: That was her like love interest yeah, a and, moment and ago. <laughs> that's
0: just again one of those moments where you're like, you know Patrice was sitting there like she gotta eat the egg roll. Yeah. It's like, oh God, this is really making me feel sketched out. Everything about this.
1: I know. I almost wonder if it's like a like a dog whistle to like real like pedophiles. No, that's what I'm saying. It, yeah.
0: It, yeah.
1: It's like I I don't know what that community is like and i don't want to know but like it just they must have their own like code and language and feel like he checked every box checked every <laughs> box it's like uh it's like a boogaloo meme that you and i wouldn't understand but like people sure. in that group would like know that means like we got to storm the capital next week <laughs> like. so thankfully at this point patrice moved on from using child singers he tried putting out some music as a solo artist it's not all that good <laughs> there's wow really <laughs> <laughs> there's this one uh track he did in 2015 it's called beautiful and we don't have the original video for this song we just have uh, reaction videos but in the music video for this song there are these like two pregnant women sitting on opposite couches and it's kind of presumed that pato has impregnated them both at the same time so it's so, <laughs> like, a player so like they both give birth Like on a hospital bed, and he's like helping deliver the baby. And like he puts on these like construction glasses and they start to squirt this like paint (laughs) that's supposed to represent afterbirth, like Uh, in his face. No, (laughs) I don't know how to describe it. It's just really messed up. (laughs) Like at some point, he decided that like he was some kind of really weird abstract artist. Like he thought he was like some kind of poor man's David Lynch or something.
0: (laughs) How do you even have that conversation with your your producers and your set designer? Like,
1: well, he is the he oh, is okay. the producer. I mean, I I guess. I,
0: okay, so I, well, well, let me rephrase it. How do you even have that conversation with your actors? You're like, look, I got this red stuff that's going to be afterbirth in these spray bottles, yeah, you and just, you're gonna you're, you're gonna spray squirt it
1: at me. it in my face, girl. <laughs> this is about how you're beautiful. <laughs> Okay, do I get my checks next week? (laughs) Yeah, don't worry about it. Toward the end of the decade, Patrice's career began to really unravel. In 2017, he deleted all videos on his channel and launched a creepy 300-hour live stream that ended with him sitting on a couch complaining about all the negative attention he'd gotten over the past few years. Well, Pato, I think you were asking for negative attention. Yeah, like he... There were a lot of people that were doing you know, reaction videos against him. Like, H3H3 was a big one. Like, and he, like, called them out specifically and, like, made vaguely threatening remarks in this well, live stream. You know, when you sit
0: there purposely pushing every button society has.
1: Yeah. But you know what it was? He was finally getting some of the criticism that these girls who he'd used as human shields for years had been getting all along. People finally caught on to the fact that he's like the puppet master behind all this bullshit. And what they should have done all along, they should have been attacking him, not Rebecca Black, not Allison Gold. You right. Know. And he had like, you know, what he describes as kind of basically a mental breakdown, but it's, it's hard to really feel bad for him. I don't feel bad a little bit. No, like... I think it's well-deserved. So he, he, so he deleted all of his videos and he stopped making music. He claimed to be working on this uh, horror movie called Vantage Points, uh, but as far as I can tell, like, this has never seen the light of day. He already made
0: ABCDFG. I mean,
1: No, that's a that's a horror masterpiece. That's some creepy <laughs> shit like, at the start. <laughs> I mean, he's already like mastered the genre of like extremely unsettling art. Although these days Pato tries to stay out of the limelight, he still can't seem to escape controversy. In 2019, a 25-year-old actress and graphic designer named Dora Marble accused Wilson of sexual harassment.
0: I'm only surprised in the sense that she's 25. <laughs> that seems above yeah, his he, age bracket. that's like
1: twice the age of anybody else he's he's exploited in the past so just let just a quick rundown on this story so dora marble she lives in norway and the story was covered by a blog called the daily dot supposedly she was living in norway she's a model slash actress slash graphic designer and patrice approached her about doing some graphic design work and she said okay and they kind of had this like dialogue via text message for a number of months. And then he started saying stuff like, Oh, you're so beautiful. You're such a good actress. He sent her this script that he had been working on. He tried to like play it up. Like he was like about to get this deal with like Amazon or Netflix and that he's like this big time Hollywood producer, you know, so she read this, the script for him and he offered her a part in this quote unquote series that he's doing, but said that if she wanted to do it, she'd have to come out to LA. So Dora says, like, well, I can't afford to come out to LA. And Patrice yep. says, well, no, you it's okay. It's cool. You could just come live with me. <laughs> it's always a trap. Yep. It's always a trap. Yeah. Like, is any alarm bells ringing off? Well, yeah, Dora obviously kind of was put off by this. So she, she said no. And then, uh, but they, their, their correspondence apparently continued. And then eventually by some point Patrice was like flat out asking her to be in a relationship with him. He wanted her to come live in LA with him and he would just pay her under the table until she got a green card, which like he is such a weird dude. I know. This is just like this is just like all the classic me too shit but just very ineptly executed.
0: Well, is it, is it that he He knows as soon as someone meets him in person, he's screwed. Like, why does he have to
1: hit on someone (laughs) who lives in Norway? I don't know, man. But he was like, I don't know if he's still married, but he was married at some point. Remember, this dude is like a serious Christian. He's like wearing a cross chain all the time. He founded, he called it Ark because he wanted to name it after Noah's Ark. Well,
0: hopefully I don't piss anyone off too bad, but I don't think that means a whole lot.
1: No, there it's always the the, yeah. the biggest Christians that turn out to be the biggest sex beings. A lot of
0: people unfortunately use it as a shield. It's it's yes. their cover.
1: And I'm not we're not saying all religious people, but like the ones who are just the most like vocal about it. I always at least yeah. get a little bit suspicious. Why
0: are you so hardcore, buddy?
1: So, and the only reason I brought that last story up is because we've been talking about how creepy Patrice Wilson is and how there's all these like weird like overtones in his videos but this is the only like concrete proof we have that he's actually like sexually harassed somebody but anyway that brings us up to date on patrice wilson and He's a weird guy. He's creepy. His videos have honestly like scarred my soul, (laughs) like especially fucking Chinese food. God damn it! I've I've never had a song fuck with me more than that. (laughs) Well, that's that's the worst part. These are like I
0: will give him this. He can make an earworm. He can like, and these are terrible songs. But god damn it, if I wasn't sitting there humming Chinese food after we recorded this,
1: he's like a he's like a dark. Like wizard or something like that. A dark wizard of bad music. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to Rebecca Black. To say the least, 2011 was an absolute whirlwind for her. She had unwittingly put out the most viral video of the year, 160 million views on YouTube by midsummer. Her name was the number one most searched term on Google that year, beating out things like Casey Anthony, the iPhone 5, Adele, Steve Jobs, and the 2011 Japanese earthquake. If I were Rebecca Black, like, that would be the stat I'm the most proud of. Yeah. Like, she beat Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs died that year. Like, oh, and it's, God,
0: Casey Anthony, everyone remembers that. I know.
1: Like, just. Yeah, like, that's impressive. More people searched Rebecca Black than any of that shit. And I know for a fact
0: I was one of them. Yeah, me too. I heard about that shit, and I had to see what everyone was talking about.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like Friday was a moment that everybody remembers. Yep. Like you know, for for good or ill, like uh, it's it's just one of those unique social things that it's kind of spanned generations. Oh yeah. My stepdaughter
0: knows what it is. Oh yeah. I, I think even probably my parents know what it is. <laughs> I think it kind of everyone got a taste of it. Ninety
1: like year old grandmas in yeah. Idaho. <laughs> 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 it's fried. I heard uh, that. You know, there are a lot of offices where on Fridays, like, everybody will, like, sing that song, like, kind of, like, not even really ironically anymore, just like, it's Friday, it's Friday, Yeah. (laughs) Yet, despite all of the bullying and negative attention, Rebecca never gave up on her dream of being a singer. She hired a new manager and continued to release singles, songs like My Moment and Person of Interest. These early songs are not great, but they're a hell of a lot more respectable than Friday. Rebecca also began to reinvent herself as a YouTuber, a move which not only helped her grow her artistic identity, but allowed her to find new friends that she could actually relate to, people that would form the support network that was desperately missing in her life. So, Cal, like I've, I actually set out a goal of watching every uh, Rebecca Black YouTube video, and I, I failed. I I didn't <laughs> I was, get all the way, dude.
0: That is raw. That is <laughs> hardcore there's, there's dedication. Of them.
1: Like so, I got to the point where like I got through like half of them, and then like the deadline was coming up. We were about to record, so I, I started doing like every like third or fourth one. Sure. But in like in 90% of the videos are just t- to me as a grown adult man not interesting. <laughs> like right. It's it's just like typical like teenage YouTuber stuff, right? Like it's like this or that challenge or a makeup tutorial or like ask me anything kind of a kind of stuff. But but like actually watching the totality of it because she starts when she's 13 and she gets up through today when she's 22 so you're watching a kid grow up and it's really fascinating just from that lens like how she went from just being this kind of i don't want to say like vacuous teen but just like just kind of a, a regu- she, she, she goes from being a regular teen to you know and then like when she's 13 she's like still a little bit nervous and then when she's like 16 she's like shouting and yelling all the time but now like as a as a twenty one year old woman, she's actually thoughtful and talks like this and is like a lot has a lot sure. more professionalism and delivery. It's just really cool actually, just to kind of watch someone come into their own that way.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a uh, there's movies that have tried to do that. Yeah, the, the up and series. I, I think that's one of the things that's cool about YouTube or just vlogs in general. Even if you're not getting views and no one cares, you still have this time capsule of what you thought over the years and you can watch pf like you said that's true yeah yeah
1: this is this is a boyhood on youtube girlhood i guess it would be
0: it's interesting though that her speech you know gets better and better because i know some dumb shit 21 and 22 year olds still i was one too actually i (laughs) don't even talk shit about them i was a terrible 22 year old
1: i was an absolute moron until i was like 27 and like anyone who knows me will back that up Yep. Same. same throughout the decade rebecca kept releasing her own music some of which she wrote herself. If you take the time to listen to these singles in succession, you'll notice an improvement with each try. Given that so many of the bands we've covered on this show and will cover on this show, like, just basically tend to degenerate over time, it's actually refreshing to see an artist genuinely coming into their own. Here's one of my favorite Rebecca Black songs from uh, 2019 it's called Do You.
0: I need some
1: Make this messy. But shamble again as you untie the ends, baby. I need some recovery.
0: Harder and harder to sleep. You're
1: weighing heavy on me. Try and try, can't push it aside.
0: Staring silently, burning a hole in the wall Really gone
1: Yeah so like I actually like that Cal. I know that you're like not into pop music and I'm not I'm not a huge pop guy either but that's like that's respectable. Right? Yeah.
0: I will give I will give credit where credits due. It's not it's a hell of a lot better than Friday.
1: Yeah. Not that that's a tough bar to clear. <laughs>
0: yeah. I could see someone really liking this and enjoying this and I would not give them shit for
1: it. I mean, I I think this holds its own against like anything that gets played on like mainstream pop stations or like the spotify top 20 yeah you know totally
0: i mean granted i have no idea what's cool anymore but i yeah. agree with you
1: and like here's the thing about rebecca black is that friday is her absolute worst song by far like it is the nadir of her career her her very first single and the one that she's <laughs> most famous for ironically is her absolute worst song she starts to do these other songs that are kind of also kind of like teeny light fair pop they're, you know, and they're like not interesting at all, but like at least we're taking baby steps in the right direction. And then like in, uh, in 2017, she came out with an EP. It's, it's her only like thing that's more than a single. She doesn't have an album out, but then the EP is called R.E. slash B.L. And that's like, res- it's like respectable. It's not like great pop music, but it's, sure. she's, it's like she's starting to like get. Like respectable yeah. hold its own pop music.
0: She, she's above laughably bad.
1: Yes. And I, I feel like she's kinda due for like another like legitimate hit. So we're we're calling it right now. Like Rebecca's gonna put out an <laughs> album and it's gonna be in the Spotify top twenty. That's that's my bold prediction from this episode of Polishing Turds.
0: I I'd put money on that
1: before, you know, Bears winning a Super Bowl or something. <laughs> I don't think it's that out there. Well it's not gonna take a hundred years for the for <laughs> Rebecca to get a hit. Rebecca has been asked many times if she regrets making Friday, and to this day she always replies no. As painful as that chapter of her life was, she was able to pull herself together and use it as a launching pad for a legitimate pop career. She didn't run away from Friday, nor did she shamelessly cash in on it. She grew from it, conquering her fears and guiding herself with the knowledge that even if it seems like all of society is out to get you, only you can decide who you really are and that is the moral of this episode of polishing turds
0: it's a good one through the narrative you sold me that rebecca black's a
1: cool person she really is like i i always take take on an affinity for whoever we cover in this show but like in this one i really just i really came to like just empathize and and connect with rebecca black and i'm i'm solidly rooting for her now Patrice Wilson can fuck off. I hate yeah. that dude, <laughs> but like Rebecca should get like her own movie or something like that. She she really is a, a hero. Okay, so this this episode it brought up a lot of shit. You know, there's so much to dive into about you know internet culture, bullying, like memes, and and all of this stuff that was kind of new in 2011, but now like we're fully immersed in it. We arguably just had a presidency that was kind of that kind of grew from yeah. this stuff. Oh, absolutely! So, like, I just wanted to like kind of unpack this and just kind of have an open discussion of like, where do we go from here? Like, That's a big question. First of all, Cal, like, why do you think Friday got so big? Like, why did it capture everybody's attention, and why was the attention so hostile?
0: I think anything that gets that big, there's there's always like a, a tipping point something somewhere is there at the right time and is the exact right thing to just skyrocket. Yeah. So this was that. It was really the first of its kind that got national attention. We weren't used to, like, well-produced media being bad. Yeah. And then additionally, it came at a time when we hadn't really addressed cyberbullying as a culture at all. No. I mean, in fact, I I think I was still being a dick to people on the Internet. It was just something you did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... I would often like tell people in like political arguments like you're a fucking moron, right? You know, and it's it's almost hard not to to react that way sometimes. But as we've come to understand that like that just fuels people's anger even more, and it can drive them to do like terrible, terrible things in the in the long run.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say then is a video like Friday was bound to come along. And yeah. this just happened to be the one that hit at that exact cultural moment when all the conditions were right.
1: There were early examples. There were things like, uh, like Star Wars Kid. Yeah, you know? but that I mean that was that was kind of only for like people of our generation. Like the adult world hadn't found out about that. Yeah, but definitely, like for a time, that guy's life must have been hell on earth.
0: Yeah, actually, his case is really interesting. Uh, I don't he, know. Too he much. was a case study of how to not react to it. And again, I'm not trying to shit on that guy. What what I don't how, think
1: how, how did he react? I don't I don't, I don't know. This he tried
0: individually suing like almost anyone that was reposting it and mm. he really thought he needed to fight uh, he needed to fight back aggressively. And as we've since learned that if this happens to you, you basically need to do what Rebecca did and be like, "Haha, yeah, it's funny. I suck." And yeah. let it just take its course.
1: Yeah. And the more you fight, the more attention you draw to it. I don't know if Rebecca knew this at the time, but she handled uh, the reaction to Friday like just absolute textbook perfect. Yeah. Like, it was definitely not the easiest decision to make, but she knew that the cat was already out of the bag.
0: Right. It's called the the Streisand effect. Yeah. (laughs) And it's named after, I I don't know the exact story, but it was something Barbara Streisand was, there's something about her on the internet that she didn't like. Yeah. And she went on this big campaign to take it down. No. and in doing so she called so much more attention
1: to it than there ever would have been and it's it's not fair that this is how we react but like you look like a sore loser yep it's almost like society is like some kind of fraternity doing a hazing ritual on random individual people and like you're just kind of <laughs> supposed to take it good-naturedly
0: yeah the internet's attention span is short i guess if you ever find yourself the subject of viral bullying yeah you just got to remind yourself like they'll be on to the next sacrifice in in a week in a month
1: yeah and even in rebecca's case she never completely ran from it her inst- her uh sorry her snapchat handle is it's friday bitch like uh, she's referenced it in some of her other videos but like she didn't like totally cash in on like she didn't do like mall appearances as the friday girl right like she used it to kind of build her career and to kind of just like kind of Poke fun at it in a in a good natured way. She found that sweet spot where she knows that this is what most people are going to remember her for, but she also uses it to kind of introduce people to the rest of her catalog. And looking at the comments in a lot of Rebecca's uh, newer music videos, almost invariably you'll find a few few people that are like, uh, "I came here to rewatch Friday, and then uh, lo and behold, I I come to this video." And like, so it, it it must be working for her. The other thing I, that really disturbed me is just remembering how the news media was adding to the pile on. Cause that's when it like, kind of like reached a crescendo is like, you know, it's one thing for, you know, subreddits to poke fun at this girl or YouTube. Yeah. Basement dwellers. Yeah. Basement Twitter comedians. But like when it's on like good morning America and like George Stephanopoulos is like, like this is the worst song ever. Like. You guys have a responsibility. I feel like they didn't understand that they're adding to the pile on. Yeah,
0: that's I think what I, that's what I was getting at. This, this came at a point before we really understood the consequences of that yet. Yeah. Cuz you wouldn't I don't think in a million years you'd catch a legitimate news source doing that now.
1: No, I think I think they have a whole protocol for how they handle these types of things. Whereas before, like they were operating not much differently from how YouTube did. They were after the views. They were after the, the right. The, the, it's, their it's version just of the a clips.
0: curiosity to them, the same way like us. The squirrel on water skis trope, <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, we just need a stupid story to fill out the last five minutes here.
1: Yeah, like people are talking about this. We have to put this on because our rival morning show is going to put it on. So we have to talk about it. That's as far as it goes. They're not thinking about what this is going to do to this girl's life. Do you think the Internet has learned anything since Friday? Like we are we do talk about cyberbullying. We're more aware of it, but it's still a phenomenon. And I wonder, you know, because you you have, you know, young girls like is this A big factor in in their lives
0: i'm gonna give one of those annoying yes and no answers i think strides have been made you know so that something like friday is not gonna quite happen on that scale again yeah but at the same time uh, we'd be lying to ourselves to say kids don't say shitty shit to each other on the internet all the time yeah that is it's absolutely still occurring i guess long answer no i don't think a lot has changed but i do think at the very least like we were just saying you're not going to see this happening in mainstream outlets yeah and places like reddit too uh their moderators actively delete shit that's just like rude to someone for no reason or Mm -hmm. stuff like that people are a little more careful than they used to
1: be yeah so like i think that is the next step is i mean everything we talk about nowadays is kind of like trying to pressure these big tech companies into kind of policing themselves you know on so many different fronts but we talked about how patrice wilson exploited these kids you know in the outrage culture for the for the clicks but what we didn't talk about is how youtube also profited from this
0: youtube is interesting yeah they don't really give a fuck what you upload unless you are taking something that could have made money Mm -hmm. that's when they get weird yeah. The only time your and video ever gets removed is if you use too long of a sample of copyrighted music, or
1: well, sometimes it's like not even. Sometimes it's like five seconds in a twenty-minute video. Yeah. Like they're they're they their, their algorithm for that is totally broken.
0: So part of the problem here is the amount of videos getting uploaded. Yeah. They they can't possibly check them all by hand. Yes. So they end up relying on on machine learning to do this for them. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of weird shit has gotten through and stayed up on YouTube for an obscenely long time. No, I don't know if you've ever heard of the the Spider-Man Elsa stuff. Yeah. I don't know if this is too much of a tangent. (laughs) Some weird companies that are always based out of, and I don't know if they're actually from these countries or it's just where their VPN says they are, Yeah, but it's a lot of the Philippines and stuff like that. And they make these weird uh, videos involving popular Marvel characters, but it's adults acting them out and they have like elsa like spider-man getting elsa pregnant or like spider-man injecting like it, elsa with a th- drug like it's weird
1: and they and then actually it is those videos kind of are like abcdefg in that like a kid watching it would have no idea that it's anything other than kids entertainment it it looks like kids entertainment yeah. to them it doesn't look like pulp fiction or, or an adult movie it looks like kids entertainment but any parent watching those videos is going to be horrified yeah they know what's really going on it's totally insidious well
0: and, and it's purposeful and they upload so many so rapidly they often escape the algorithm yeah tech companies need to do a better job but i also don't know exactly how until they get the the algorithm better
1: and i don't know how you do that without maintaining a, a concern for free speech because you do want people to be able to create you know, content that's sometimes you want people to create content that's sometimes edgy and sometimes pushes boundaries. But how do you keep that from children? Yeah. How do you make that not spiral? So then like, just, I guess our final, my final question is, you know, Friday fell victim to what's called cringe culture, you know, like people who get a kick out of something just because it's so bad. And I started to think about this and I kind of realized like, Isn't that basically what we do? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I mean, obviously we try to make this more than a show about bad music. That's why these episodes are two hours long. And I'm always going off on these like big, like philosophical tangents, but we are making fun of people and that's why people listen to this show. Mm -hmm. So how do we, is there a way to make ethical cringe culture because I, I think that a lot of shit deserves to be made fun of. Like-
0: I, I like to think that what we're doing is the ethical way of, you know, you get your kicks in, you say, yeah, it's shitty. I don't. We don't go after the artist as a person. No. I, I mean, I guess you could, we, we go we- after specific incidents, like, hey, yeah. Fred Durst was a big douchebag this one time.
1: Yeah. I mean, we, we made fun of him a lot, but we made fun of him based on his behavior, not because he's yeah. fatter. Or, or, or I have anything.
0: to admit, too, if I met Fred Durst, I'd probably be like, dude, Fred. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I don't actually hate that guy in any way. No, I
1: don't, too. I, I love him in a in a weird way. But I think the way to go is just choose your targets wisely. Try to make fun of them in a way that is empathic you know like yeah, we make
0: we, fun of them like you'd make fun of your friends yeah
1: like we want the best for all of these artists like i want the best for the baham and i want the best for fred dürst i want them to go out and make really good art and get praised for making good art i don't want anybody to be hurt or you know like shamed like just cuz of who they are and i think another good principle that's often you know spoken about in comedy is punch up not down yeah and usually when an artist makes a really bad decision, they're doing so because of economic incentives that have to do with the way the record industry works, the way that capitalism works, Like not just because like they suck, but because they know that if they make a, dis- a bad decision, they will be rewarded for that, yeah. more so than making the more principled decision. And that's just how so much of society works.
0: I think there's also a line to be drawn where like, it's funny if a legendary, once legendary artist, like let's say Metallica, yeah, when they make a terrible album, it's objectively funnier than when like my neighbor, you know, comes <laughs> yeah. over with his demo tape and he's like, "Hey, check it out," you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna rip on him the We're same not, way. Yeah.
1: We're not gonna make fun of like a struggling bar band in Madison. Yeah, I
0: want like, people to share their art and be confident about their art, even if it sucks.
1: Yeah. But there, yeah, there, there is something about like an established artist losing their Just way, falling
0: on their face. It, it's worth talking about at the end of the day.
1: And really, that that comes from a place of like, you know, we want the the good old days back. We want that artist to be succeeding again. Same, same as like when we like make fun of the bears for sucking. We yeah. don't want them <laughs> to suck. We, we want them <laughs> to be good.
0: Nobody hates the bears more than bears
1: fans. We're all <laughs> we're used to punishment. Do you think it's ever ethical to like expose children to fame? I I view
0: child actors as an like a necessary evil because like (laughs) you need children in movies. Children are humans and part of the human experience. Yeah. If you're gonna write a story that feels real, there's gonna be some kids. But I really don't like the idea and the culture around it. I wouldn't let my kid be a child actor.
1: Okay, so we need like movies that have children in them, but. Do we need like Olsen twin type movies? Right. Like the center famous around Famous children. Like I think absolutely not. That's just my opinion. A lot of people talk about fame. They say fame is abuse. And I think in a lot of ways it is. I don't know what it's like to be famous. I really don't want to be famous. I know that everybody grows up wanting to be famous, and I did too when I was a teenager. But the more I read into artists that become famous... The more it just seems like they're heavily manipulated, they're heavily controlled, they don't have any privacy at all. And there's a reason why so many of them turn to like drugs and crazy shit mm-hmm. is because it's it's a lot of pressure. And to put that on a child, it's it's really hard to go through that without getting fucked up along the way.
0: A- absolutely.
1: So I don't understand these parents that intentionally try to make their children famous.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people have this epiphany you just talked about, where they realize fame, there's a lot of bullshit that comes with fame. It's not just wealth and power and fun. It's not just positive attention. Yeah. But there's this whole class of parents that don't seem to ever have that realization. They force it on their children.
1: No, because they're sucked in too. Yep. And again, especially in L.A., where the whole culture is centered around the entertainment industry and everybody worships at the altar of TV and movies and they just don't seem to realize that there's a a dark side to all of that. You
0: know, it's funny that you mentioned wanting to be famous as a kid because I I did too. Yeah. I don't think that has gone away. It's just shifted how. (laughs) I don't think kids dream about being like movie stars anymore. They want to be big YouTubers. Yeah. Uh,
1: Everybody wants to be, every kid wants to be like Jake Paul now.
0: Now at least that's a little better cuz you're self-managed. You well, know, you so don't somewhat ha- somewhat you don't you don't have, you know, producers holding this over you of like you need your we need your next big breakthrough thing. Yeah. But I also there's pressure that comes with being a YouTuber. I've watched many that they regularly get a million views because yeah. they have a huge subscriber pool. Yeah. And some of them come out and talk about the anxiety that comes with releasing any video.
1: Yeah. They don't. They don't know if it. What if it gets demonetized? Well, and like, they just
0: know the the flood of what's going to come with it. Yeah. Just all the. I mean, can you imagine having millions of people following everything you put out? Yeah. <laughs> it's that's messed up. If you actually stop and like think
1: about it, it's so easy to imagine that. If you got like negative comments as a YouTuber or, or something that you'd be able to brush it off. And you know, you, some of you might have heard like the things that people were saying to Rebecca and you, you might have thought like, okay, well, if that happened to me, I would just realize that that guy's a 13 year old idiot and I'd brush it off. And it's, it's easy to say that I, I don't have any experience that's comparable to what Rebecca or any legitimately famous person has gone through, but I do have something that i was involved with that got put up on youtube it's got like about two hundred thousand views at the moment it was a, a a script i wrote a short film that i wrote the script for and there are like you know a couple hundred comments on that video and i've read through like almost every one of them and a lot of them were like just really dumb questioning the plot of them the <laughs> film. and like that like it did irk me a little bit like People saying dumb criticisms of of my film. there, And again, it's just some rando in Arkansas or whatever. Right. I should be able to brush it off. But it did kind of get under my skin just a little bit. And that's me as a fucking 30-something grown-ass man. Imagine being a fucking 13-year-old and having some guy tell you to kill yourself. Well, and then imagine having 6,000
0: of that guy telling yeah, you. Every day, yeah. All those little slivers would add up.
1: Yeah, so I guess the moral is just pay attention to what you do on the internet and don't try to become famous and don't try to get your kids famous. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so that wraps up Rebecca Black. We're going to be talking a little bit more about the consequences of fame in our next episode, which is going to be Vanilla Ice. Yes. Excited for that one, Cal? Absolutely. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please uh, share us on Facebook or Twitter or whatever your platform of choice is. And also, we want to hear more from you guys. If you have suggestions for the show, suggestions about who we should cover, things you like or don't like about the show, you could drop us a message on Facebook or email us at polishingturdspodcast at com
0: if you don't start suggesting bands, we're going to start getting weird with this. So, yeah, we're
1: going to do like esoteric stuff that we like and none of you like. So just just beware. Like, <laughs> you better suggest something. Yeah. Tell us to do Creed or something and we're, we'll do it. We're totally out of touch musically. So <laughs> don't let us slide down our own rabbit hole. All right. Thank you so much. Good night.
0: people died than we realize right now
1: that's sad man welcome to yeah